Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello there, Rich Ferraro here, and thank you for listening to this 1865 Podcast Extra. Now, if you'd listened to our end-of-season show, you'll have heard that we had interviews with Mark Dennison of BBC Radio Nottingham, who is also the City Ground Stadium announcer, and also Forest fan and football journalist Nick Miller. Now, those were shortened versions of those interviews, so in this Podcast Extra, we're delighted to bring you the full interviews. Let's start off with Mark Dennison. Now it's time for something very special. We're going to go to a stalwart of BBC Radio Nottingham, but most importantly, the man who is the City Ground Stadium announcer, Mr. Mark Dennison. Denno, how are you doing? I'm um, very well, thank you. And, and hearing you say those words is still like, I don't know, it's still dawning on me, to be honest. But uh, yeah, wow. That's all I well, can say. That, that brings me to exactly where I was going to start, which was how was Wembley for you? Um, um, it, it was, it was immense. I mean, um, yeah, I, I mean, basically the story with, with that is that, um, years ago, and I hate to, well, we can talk about it now because there's no jinx, is there? Um, years ago with Yeovil, uh, and the playoffs then, and we know what happened, but basically I was put on standby then to, to go to Wembley and to, you know, um, I remember Mark Arthur at the time saying, look, um, we get to Wembley, the deal is that they get the announcer on from each team and you do a little bit. And I was thinking, wow, that sounds really exciting. Then we know what happened. And that was a long time ago. Um, and then when we knew we were in the playoffs after the Sheffield United uh, semi-final, um, all of a sudden I started thinking about, oh yeah, there's that thing at Wembley again. And I hadn't, it hadn't crossed my mind before, before that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just the whole day was just incredible and a blur and definitely, definitely a real, not just career, but life highlight. Oh, that's that's wonderful to hear. And, of course, for many, many fans who, who didn't have the same... Um, proximity to everything that was going on as you did. Look, we've seen we've seen all the Fox Pops, haven't we? All the fans saying, 
um, it's the best day of my life and not just the ones who've never experienced success as a forest supporter even even some of my generation and the older generation as well loads of people saying it's, it's one of the best days now for you you had a really really long day didn't you because you were broadcasting on the early shift um we saw you on the big screen all suited and booted Let, be honest with me were you nervous before that day oh i was bricking it absolutely <laughs> i was absolutely yeah um yeah i'm not gonna lie and <clears throat> that was part of it. But in, in some ways, looking back, I was quite pleased it was a really busy day. So in my day job, yeah, I, I, I worked for BBC Radio Nottingham. So um, they already had a plan of um, doing some outside broadcast from, from London. I'd already said I'd be, I'd be up for that. Um, but knowing that I'd have the, the announcing thing to work around as well. But it worked out perfectly, really. So I was on air 8 till 11. So it was an early start. Uh, we started just up the road from Wembley and then walked down to Wembley Way. Uh, finished at 11 by the um, the famous steps up to the stadium. And then I literally went in, um, had to get my pass and um, I had to have like a, a rehearsal. Uh, can't remember the last time I re- rehearsed anything at the city ground, but there we are. Um people can probably tell um and went in and it was actually really nice because after all of that it was already noisy outside and and it was busy busy being on air for three hours and I went into Wembley and it was all quite quiet and they were setting things up and it just gave me a bit of time to wander around and get my bearings and get my head around what I was going to be doing Uh, and then we had a, a rehearsal the woman at Wembley said um when you finish your your bit, when you've announced the teams, um, do you want to do a piece to camera? And I said, well, um, can do, you know. <laughs> can do if you want. Um, it's a different language. So I, it was just, you know, it was just like that. And, and, and the rest of it was just, I then had a bit of time to kill before I went back and did the thing for real. But, um, yeah, it was, it was just amazing. And, and by the way, just very quickly, did was it your choice to wear a suit and tie, or was it someone else's? My choice. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, yeah. You look. You look the part. If you if you what, if you can't dress up for one of the biggest days of your of your career, then when yeah. can you? I guess. Well, that's it. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Going back to the city ground. Um, your job as stadium announcer. You you have been doing it for a long time. Um, but just thinking about over the last few years. Uh, it must feel very different doing it now to compared to the years BC before Cooper. <laughs> BC, all of that. Um, yeah, it does. And I think we've talked before about it's it's a kind of it's almost like a chicken and egg thing. So yeah, my job is to yeah do the teams and to kind of build, build help build the atmosphere along with everything else going on musically and on the screens. But let's be honest, during the dark days, you know, there's only so much building up you can do before the crowd start thinking, you know, we all know you're not, we're not really building up to very much, are we? Um, so you've got to play quite a, there's a delicate kind of balance to be struck there. Whereas since um, October last year, and certainly since the turn of the calendar year, it's just been so different. And Everyone could see what massive progress there was. I, I think, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but it was just, it felt like something was brewing. And I was telling myself that, um, and in fact, I was, I was, I was 
I was telling myself out loud, if it doesn't happen this season, next season is going to be really, really exciting because I know that he and they would go for it. Um, so I'd kind of taught myself into that just kind of to pre- prepare myself because, you know, bottom, we were bottom in September and we've just gone up and, you know, they, that, that is nothing short of miraculous. Yeah, upward trajectory all the way. I think there's only been like, I think, one or two weeks in the entire season when the team have ended up, well, since Cooper's come in, where the team have ended up going down in the league over the course of over the course of the game week. Um, yeah. And of course, just very quickly, uh, you were also uh, broadcasting for Radio Nottingham from the council house, and you've shared with us that you were you did a lot of it lying on your belly next to a speaker, um, which is a really dignified w- one day <laughs> Wembley, the next day lying on your belly <laughs> underneath and behind a balcony. <laughs> it's yeah, I, I mean, yeah, again, yeah. Yesterday was it was all a blur, so we knew that um, uh, the the team and the um, the um, backroom staff and the management. I, to be honest, I didn't know that everyone was going to be there from from Forest, but to to see and hear the owner was was quite amazing because I thought his speech was really really interesting. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, we were outside, we we're in the Old Market Square at lunchtime, and we thought, oh, this is just getting noisier and noisier. And and I was standing inside the the doors of the council house, saw someone from Forest who very kindly said, you know, just come up. And uh, so we did, me, producer and engineer. But then when the, when the um, Matt and Colin were, were doing all of the um, uh, introductions and everything, we needed to hear it. And there was a speaker on the floor of the balcony. So um, there are all these um, journalists and camera crew up there on the balcony. And there's me thinking, well, the only way we can get the sound from the speaker is for me to lie down with my microphone. And it was so untechnical. Um, it's the year 2022, but it was the only way to make it work for the radio. And uh, there I was on my belly. Um, almost got trod on by Cafu and, and Samba a couple of times. But, I mean, again, just to be up there, um, and to soak up the atmosphere, it was just—it was just amazing, and you could see what it meant to players and um, all the coaching staff and the people from behind the scenes. And I think that's—that's that's the thing for me. There are an awful lot of people that you know um, often go under the radar, and it's—it's it's their day as well. Yeah, I mean, we were saying on the way out. Look, we don't know who half those people were who were out on the pitch when they were parading the trophy and having the ticker tape, but but that doesn't mean that they haven't played an important role in the club. Um, I just want to finish off by uh, talking about, talking about not you actually, but one of your colleagues. So you obviously got to have your big day out at Wembley, but, but the ever modest Colin Frey, he finally <laughs> got to commentate on his beloved Reds at the national stadium. And he's going to do so in the premier league next year. Now, obviously he's, he's, we know him as our commentator, you know him as a colleague as well. Um, have you got any words for the legend that is Colin Frey? Yes, I do. Um, and by the way, you look like a Bond f- uh, villain with your, with your cat. <laughs> yes, um, so for, the, for, the, for the listener's benefit, the 1865 podcast has now made uh, <laughs> made an appearance and is currently trying to climb up my arms. So. Is, is the cat asking for a season ticket? Because I've got <laughs> no influence on that. Um, Colin is just such a lovely guy. Um, as you said, he is modest. He, you know, as a commentator, he 
he he's actually he manages to keep things. And I know obviously when Forrest score, yeah, that's that's off off the scale. But he has a calmness about him. He has um that professional kind of steel. Um I saw him on Sunday at Wembley beforehand. We shared a bit of a moment then. We we definitely shared a moment yesterday at the council house actually. Um and uh, I know how much this means to him as well. And and he was was up there obviously uh yesterday doing all of the introductions to the players and the staff and um he's just having the the time of his life and it could not happen to a nicey guy and I genuinely mean that. He's um you know local radio quite often doesn't get the um the recognition it deserves but um Colin, Colin is getting it uh now is sharing in this limelight and and rightly so mm. and with all due respect to um to Lawsy and Steve Sutton as well I genuinely don't think there can be a better commentary team on local radio than Colin with Steve Hodge it's just an absolute joy to listen to and, and always has been but this season in particular it's what a delight yeah yeah that they are they're, they're they're amazing and you know um i think colin mentioned yesterday to me we we did a bit for the radio and he, he was talking about you know the fact that forest are now going to be a match of the day mm-hmm. and it's things like this when people mention something like that you think oh yeah <laughs> I didn't, like you know um it hadn't kind of landed with me but after he said it i thought yeah but whoever they get for match of the day Again, with the with greatest respect, it's not going to be a patch on you, Colin, and and you colleagues. So, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm really chuffed for him, and um, he's waited a long time, and we, a lot of us have waited a long time for for Wembley, but but Colin in particular. So, uh, yeah, it, it's just such a good it's a good time for the club, but I think for this area, yeah. And I can't wait to see what it does for the city and the county as a whole. I think it's brilliant. Uh, just as a footnote, by the way, um, at the council house, I'm sure that uh, you and uh, you and your production team and Colin himself, even though he wasn't officially on Radio Nottingham duties, he must have been delighted that Steve Cook didn't get the memo about no swearing. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, cheers, Steve. Yeah, I mean, um, it was funny. I mean, we, we we put out several kind of warnings beforehand and apologise a couple of times after. Yeah, I think most people recognise it's, you know, it's live. People are very excited. They're in high spirits. So we had, uh, I think we we got away with, there was that. Uh, there was one other little slip that someone else made, and which was not the same word. But um, it's it's one of those things, I think, these days, as long as you say sorry. I don't I don't like it. I mean, blimey, the one show will, will apologise about 15 times for, yes. saying, for someone saying ruddy or something. I mean, really. <laughs> um, so I think the more you apologise, sometimes the worse you make it. But yeah, yeah. It's one of those things. And and, and Cookie is, uh, I mean, he's already a legend, isn't he? He's, he's only been here a few months. Oh, absolutely. And there are so many photos of him celebrating. Um, OK, thank you so much, Mark. Really appreciate you taking time out of your day to join us for this. We're going to have a chat with a Forest fan and football journalist, Mr. Nick Miller. Hello, Nick. Thanks for joining us again. Hello, no problem. How yeah, it's been, a, it's been a while since we've spoken to you, and we'll come back to that a little mm. bit later on. But um, you were at Wembley on Sunday. Um, look, 
we're of similar vintage. You're a little bit younger than me, but was this the greatest day of your life as a Forest fan? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, without without any question, it's just the, the the time building up to it. The the kind of I don't, you you don't want to be too kind of well. I was at Doncaster in you know 2007, so I deserve this. But you know, I think we'd all done the hard yards for this. We just you know we'd done. We'd done our time and uh, we'd built up enough uh, sort of years of disappointment and um, and frustration to make this, you know, one of the. Well, yeah, as, as you say, the, the 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 sweetest moment of of my for a supporting life. Anyway, um, I, I kind of I've written a piece about this, but there, there was. What, in nineteen twenty, when obviously it looked like we were going to be in the playoffs, and we you know decent as good a chance of getting promoted as any then lockdown came in and it became clear that if we were going to get to the playoff final then it would be behind closed doors and no one would be able to be there i lost enthusiasm for the whole prospect of forest getting promoted because what i wanted was to be there to be at a game to have the kind of collective broader collective experience with all those other forest fans but also to be there with my mum and dad who have been going to forest with since i was five um and obviously if I wasn't going to be able to get that, then I wasn't so enthused. I wasn't even as enthused a few weeks ago when there was the tantalising prospect of us going up automatically mm-hmm. because I knew that was, you know, that was going to, if that was going to happen, then the big the big kind of tense games at Bournemouth, I could get a ticket for that. And the, if if we'd won that, then the, the, the game would have been a hole and I couldn't get a ticket for that either. So, um the the prospect of Forrest getting promoted after all these years without me actually being there was it would have taken the edge off but you know it happened <laughs> and it happened in the in the it, it it didn't I mean it sounds stupid to say that it happened in the most perfect way considering what a dog of a game it was and it was decided by our own goal and we were you know lucky to get away with a couple of penalties and all this kind of thing but it was it was perfect. Mm, yeah, and um, having said that, I mean, automatic promotion would have been better for the blood pressure and the heart rate, wouldn't it? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, all all logical, like you know, just just simply for the fact that you have an extra two three weeks to you know prepare for next season, and uh, as you say, better for the blood and heart, heart blood pressure and the heart rate, and you know, um, I don't know, in terms of prestige or something like that, probably better to go up automatically. But no, I prefer this one. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't have swapped the day for anything in the end. Um, now you mentioned about uh, you know the fact that you are a football writer and and due to your job, it's sometimes difficult for you to get to matches. Um, so, but you also talked about the fact that even if last time we were in with a sniff before it all went wrong, that there weren't any fans at matches anyway. And one of the key features of of this season has been the city ground has been an absolute cauldron. And even Wembley, the further the match went on, the less I could hear the Huddersfield fans and the more that the for- and and some of the footage, I mean, having been in it and then you watch the footage back from outside where you just realise it was a great big party for 45 minutes when the final whistle went. Um, I, I'm, I've asked the question to, to our other podcast panellists over the last few days, but how was it for you? Um, well, the final, uh, you, you mentioned not being able to, Hear the Huddersfield fans. My seats, our, our seats were um, probably fifteen yards away from the Huddersfield fans. We were right at the edge of the forest, 
allocation and we couldn't hear them either so you know it, it, obviously when you're in the middle of all that stuff then the noise kind of overtakes it a bit but we they, they seem to they might as well have not been there for for for, uh, for all weekend um christ yeah i mean at the final whistle uh, so my seat was uh in the row immediately behind my mum and dad um who as i said i've been going with for for 34 years now almost and uh the final whistle, I just, uh, first thing I did was kind of try and clamber down over the seats to to get so I could stand with them. Mm. Gave them a big hug and just burst into tears. Um, <laughs> it was, you know, my, I, 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 even now we're, we're, you know, we're recording this on Thursday, what, four days after the game. And I still, I'm still sort of welling up and getting quite emotional about just watching the new bit I, I i see new bits of um new bits of film or pictures how youtube algorithms work whenever i go on youtube now there's a new like fan reaction or alternative angle or some or you know fuzz garibaldi made some made a, a film about the day um and that went up yesterday so every time i go on youtube which is you know which is quite a lot these last few days <laughs> a new thing comes up and it's a new thing for me to just get a little bit emotional about but yeah Final the, the, that that kind of moment of the final whistle, where or and as you say, the half an hour, forty five minutes afterwards was, you know, yeah, was and, incredible. And also, it's really really important that the 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 fans have been acknowledged by the manager and the players, and and particularly the Nottingham based players who've been through the ringer, you know, the the Worrells and the Yateses who've, who've taken pelters and they've been there. And as, as Wasa said in his uh, Sky interview, we were. <laughs> So, so that it was, and and Forrest, I I still believe. Okay, a lot went wrong under Sabri, but I still believe that the fans not being there was part of that. It not going, you know, not going well. So, just to move on from there, um, put your journalist hat on for just one second, please, Nick. Um, there've been accusations from elsewhere, including Huddersfield fans, that there's been a bit of a media bias towards Forest. I think Bournemouth fans might have said the same um, in the latter part of the season. That that kind of people referring to the romanticism of the past under under Clark in the nineties and Clough in the seventies, eighties, and nineties. Um, so. Have your fellow journalists been particularly nice to you in the last few months? And do you think people are genuinely pleased to see Forrest get promoted? Yeah, I mean, particularly as uh, as um, a lot of the the, the more um, uh, what, I said like the inf- more influential journalists and editors are of our age, so they remember Forrest. You know, if they don't remember the real glory days, then they remember, as you say, Clark and. Colin Moore and Bohinen and all on that team going into Europe and Forest are very much viewed as a top flight club in all but name for a certain generation, which and they are the generation that kind of um, you know makes all the decisions in the media. Uh, so there, are, I suppose there is that. I, I think that's the, the simple answer to whether there is a there has been a bias towards Forest. There has, I think, I mean, without wishing to feel the paranoia of these people. There has been, I think, but not not in a kind of, you, you know, they um, because they in, inherently hate Bournemouth or you know or Huddersfield or whoever it is. It's just because Forest is a more interesting story. It's mo- it's a much more interesting story, even if even if you would discount the uh, the kind of the the history and Clough and whatever else. It's a team that um, has not been in the top flight for twenty three years. 
and in those you know those specific examples um i got up against a team who've been in the premier league in the last four or five years so and you know it's much more interesting than bournemouth or you know fulham getting automatically promoted it would be more interesting than sheffield united getting promoted and so journalists tend to be biased towards good stories rather than you know in particular particular teams and you know it this is a a tremendous story even if again even if you discount the history and just look at it as a team who were bottom of the league after seven games you know one point from from those you know I think it was correct me if I'm wrong here I think it was our first worst start in 108 years or something like that absolutely Um, yeah and so even that's just a more interesting story than everything else. So there probably there almost certainly was more um, coverage dedicated to Forest than the others, but that's because it's just a more interesting story. And I think that generational factor you consider, because obviously at the times that, you know, people of yours and my age were getting into football as well. Forest were going to Wembley most years. We were the third best um, team in the country. And 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 you know what? I think we're a lot of people's second team, if that if such a thing exists. And and maybe that doesn't exist so much anymore. But again, because of the generational factor, I think a lot of people carry that with. Yeah, you 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 will often. I'm sure you've heard this as well. You'll often hear uh, of maybe pe- people our age, maybe a bit younger, that support Forest because their parents, their their dad, one of their parents supported Forest but they'd be from like, you know, Basingstoke or Middlesbrough or something like that. And they will say, well, why do you, what, what's, what's the connection there? Why do you support Forrest? And they will always, they will say, oh, my dad started supporting Forrest in the 70s because of Brian Clough because everyone loved Forrest, everyone loved that, that brilliant story and the way, the way Forrest played football and Clough's personality. So, yeah, it's, um, it's a kind of, it is a strange, slightly strange generational thing, but a generational thing that's kind of passed down. Mm. Yeah. And just lastly uh, for today, and, and thank you once again for joining us, Nick. Um, now, we do. I did say we'd come back to this. Uh, I think the last time we spoke to you was the morning after Ashton Gate. Uh, you had been there at work as a neutral, ostensibly, um, <laughs> yes. apparently, um, when Lyle Taylor scored two goals in stoppage time. And yes, yeah, say so we spoke to you when you'd had, I think, three hours sleep. You'd driven home through a howling rainstorm. You'd had an adrenaline high. You'd had to kind of hold it together in the press box rather than jumping up and down. Um, was that the turning point of the season? It's always quite difficult to. Well, it's it's always very easy, I should say, to like retrospectively apply the you know the undue significance to games like that. But it, it did that. There was something there that um, you just felt yeah there's something different here there's something different about it was, it was almost it was not almost not quite so much how that forest scored two goals in injury time but it was more the way that they kind of approached that that they didn't i i read back what i wrote about that game for for something else in the last couple of games a couple of days and it was it was really striking how they didn't panic in that game they didn't like you know didn't stick Scott McKenna up front and just started launching it which you know you know even the best teams do that um they just kept playing there was tactical changes there were three substitutions all the all three substitutes were involved in the the, the um second goal 
but they they kept playing as as they had been. Um, other journalists, journalists that cover Forest more um, more regular than me, I think uh, have been uh, I don't know as frustrated is quite the right, right word, but every interview that Cooper gives, Steve Cooper gives, it is something along the lines of you know trust, trust the process, one game at a time, blah 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 blah. But the whole kind of the the idea of trusting the plan and trusting the process is what happened in that in that Bristol City game. Um, and yeah, it, that that was what the I think it was fifth game, four four wins in a row. I kind of almost think that um, the I think it was a, the the following game where we got beat four 0 by Fulham. I felt like um, it was a bit of a kind of reality check game. It's like okay, well we've won these four games, but you know let's not get giddy about this and um, let's let's temper our expectations. Let's not be. Let's not get too excited about these four wins. We all we know that you know nothing, no miracles are going to happen this season. Nothing extraordinary is going to happen. We'll probably, you know, if we're lucky, we'll finish in the top half and build for the following season. Um, so I would I would possibly say that the, the games after that Fulham game, where I think we I think we I can't remember who it was against, but I think we drew another one where we scored in the last minute. Um, and then won a few games after that. I think it was probably almost those games where it was, you know, post that reality check, post getting actually gubbed by the best team in the division. And they just kind of came back from that and just carried on winning until May. Mm, yeah. And, and of course, I guess there was a certain romanticism about that. Like the fact it's happening in pouring rain, wearing yeah. the high vis kit with Taylor wearing his yeah. pink hair and pink boots and, and the celebrations and everything. So, so I can understand that. Um, so thank you very much, Nick. Uh, where can people find your work? Uh, you can find my work on The Athletic. Um, I'm on social media, Nick Miller 79. Uh, and uh, you will also be able to find my work in a few months' time. I'm currently editing the Totally Football Yearbook, which will be out, I think, in October. Um, Pre-order links will be um, available soon, and when they are, I'll put them on my social media. So, yeah, uh, that's where you can find my work. If you look at my uh, author page on The Athletic, there's a piece about, there's lots of Forest content in the last last week or so, one in particular about, I wrote a piece about being there on on Sunday, um, and kind of what it meant and everything else. So I'm sure it's something that a lot of uh, a lot of people out there will be able to identify with. Thank you so much to Mark and Nick for giving up their valuable time and joining us on the podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening to the full version of these interviews, and we also hope that you've enjoyed our podcasting throughout the season. Whether you're a new listener or you've been with us for a while, we'd really appreciate it if you could take a little bit of time to leave a review of our podcast hopefully give us a good rating and a nice comment as well and this will help other forest fans and other football fans to find our podcast we have got one other podcast which will come up before the summer and that is going to be our end of season premier league quiz so do stay tuned and we'll be with you very soon Podcast Network.